Well, hello, everybody. My name is Chris Wood, and welcome to the DMN one-on-one podcast. I'm the associate editor for the publication, and I'm here today on the 74th floor of One World Trade with Chris Mobiani at the uh, headquarters of Bounce X. Thanks for having me over here. No, thanks for having me join. I'm excited. Yeah, um, we were, we've, we've talked in the past just about um, kind of how email's still around, right? I mean, it's, it's a dynamic uh, channel. And uh, I, I don't know if all of our listeners uh, have really caught up with um, just, just what even big brands are using with this you know, channel that's been around for decades and decades now. Um, what are some of the ways that you see email being effective for like the biggest brands today? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think depending on, you know, the news cycle, every now and then you see, you know, declarations that like, you know, going from, oh, like email is dead to, oh, no, email is still alive and email, you know, and it's, it's email has been declared obsolete so many times. But the reality is it's, it's always been and continues to be a very powerful conversion channel and marketing channel for um, you know, all kinds of online businesses, um, you know, to, as, as far as generating traffic and views for publishers, but especially for, um, you know, driving revenue and new customer growth for uh, retail e-commerce companies. Um, you know, email, uh, when, you, when you look at it, it's a very, very uh, cost-effective channel. It, you know, sure. um, it, you know, really is the cost of the software, the cost of, you know, the email marketing team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of the day, it, it, the volume really nets out really, really well. And the um, metrics that you see in terms of engagement and performance from you know open rates, click rates, conversion rates um, are, are are really, really strong. And so, um, you what you've seen, I think, it took a little bit for a lot of brands and retailers to really. Uh, uh, come to terms and really recognize what they had at their disposal for a long time email was really seen as this retention channel because how most of these retailers and brands were acquiring emails were usually from their most loyal customers they were when someone was making a purchase mm-hmm. or someone created an account um, which you know obviously a small percentage of the actual traffic that arrives to their website do so they viewed it as a way to, to you know increase customer LTV and keep existing customers engaged and retain maintain them. a list exactly yeah and I think what what you started seeing kind of in the middle of this decade around you know I'd say 2013 2014 was um, more retailers starting to see it as more of an opportunity to have an acquisition channel um, given you know the the long purchase cycle from having a brand new prospect to the moment someone actually buys it's very rare someone comes to your website and the first time makes a purchase or does really what your ultimate you know conversion goal is. Um, and so email was a really good way to nurture people, get people familiar with the brand, get customers um, uh, to see you know, the benefits or value propositions using a, a certain website's products or services um, and getting them to convert. And so a large focus came on um, capturing emails earlier in the funnel, uh, and email addresses earlier in the funnel, and using that as an acquisition tool and using that to nurture those first-time visitors into first-time customers. Um, there's been some strides more recently in personalization um, in the email space. So I wonder, does that does that come later, or um, is is that one of the driving forces of getting email earlier in the funnel? Yeah, I think um, I think even you know it, you could have a, you could have a basic email program and it'll perform really really well. So um, that that being said, 
I think the opportunity, you know, a lot of people will misidentify growth opportunities as things that aren't doing well. And it's like, hey, like if only I could, you know, get this thing that converts at, you know, 1% and get it to convert at 3%, um, you know, that's, I'm looking at a potential 3x in revenue, right? Um, but the reality is it, it's much easier to take something that's going well and double down on it and make it better, it better, yeah, than it is to, and then a lot of cases, especially if you're talking about conversion rate, it sometimes doesn't have to do with like, you know, the experience or the personalization, but rather like the intent. Sometimes you just start getting like, it's very top of funnel traffic or it's more discovery traffic. And so, you know, it's almost okay that that, tra that, that segment isn't converting really well, as long as, you know, you have the, the processes in place to continue building on that message. But um, it, I think uh, the, the fact that email on its own performs really well is a great opportunity. And so as you start looking at ways to make it even more relevant, you know, the, the fact of the matter is um, the majority of a lot of retailers' uh, email revenue right now is coming from these, like, batch and, we call them batch and blast daily marketing emails. It's these, you know, one too many um, uh, emails around, you know, that you get every morning. It's new arrivals. Like a flash sale. sale or new, yeah. Exactly. And it's you getting that message along with, you know, tens to hundreds of thousands to you know maybe over a million people depending on the you size. You just need list. a low percentage for conversion to, to get a revenue. Yeah, it's kind of like okay. the it's kind of like the billboard volume play, right? And they okay. like you know it it the uh, open rates and the click through rates when you look at it from a total recipient standpoint um, isn't actually that great. But when you know you look at it in terms of you know the volume, it, if you get enough people to uh, if you get if you get a, a, a few people in a large enough sample to do what you want, then the numbers back out, and that's kind of how you know with the billboard, you know you right. it, it very few people who see it take action, but enough people pass that billboard every day that mm -hmm. you know sometimes will work. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity to uh, uh, you know capitalize on that with much more relevant, much more personalized messaging, and we've seen some early data that suggests it performs really well. Okay, yeah. I mean, one of the things I hear about around personalization is to avoid um, attrition or um, unsubscribe. Like, that that's a danger if you contact too many with an open uh, message that isn't personalized that uh, users are more likely to unsubscribe, or do you find that that's a case? Yeah, so this was, I think, um, this was a, a big issue we saw, I mean, we still see it in a lot of cases, um, especially when we start working with a new client. It's very often um, a situation where they've over-emailed, they've gotten way too many unsubscribes, um, their list has become disengaged, and they've just completely burned out their list. And um, if you are losing more customers um, through unsubscribes, or, or more newsletter subscribers through unsubscribes than you are adding you know, uh, new subscribers to that list, your list is going to burn out very, very quickly. And there's your unsubscribe rate, and there's also your effective unsubscribe rate. So meaning, you know, not everyone who you've lost is unsubscribing. They're, you know, just starting to ignore your emails. You're, they're marking you as spam. Um, so the know. individual user, you can kind of uh, get a sense of whether they're just like ignoring. Uh, in other words, behavior on the email. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so. The and and that really came because for a while, you know, I think once marketers started realizing, very early on, you had marketers emailing, you know, maybe once every other week. They were getting two emails a month. They saw, all right, maybe if I, you know, uh, up that, and now I'm emailing once a week, you know, I'm making twice as much in email revenue than I was before. It 
performs really well. So they kept in increasing that frequency from you know, once a week to twice a week to today you have retailers that email daily, twice a day, sometimes even three times a day. They were doing that because they have these really aggressive growth and revenue numbers over their heads and not a lot of options on how to get them. And so as you know, they up the email frequency, this was a way for them to hit their numbers. Uh, and what they noticed was you know, they'll see this like 1% unsubscribe rate. As they increase the frequency, that unsubscribe rate wasn't really changing. So they're like, oh, this is fine. You know, I'm still, it's still only hovering around maybe 1% or less than 1%. You'd pull back if it went up higher. What's, yeah, yeah, exactly. But what's happening, and I think what a lot of people miss was, sure, it's still at 1%, but now you're sending more of those 1% emails. So before, you had 1% of your list churning every two weeks. Now you have 1% of your Three list. Three times a day. Exactly. <laughs> And so you ended up getting you know, marketers and, and uh, brands with really dire situations in terms of the state of their email list. They couldn't hit the brakes. Exactly, exactly. So it's, I think that's when um, you know, top of funnel email acquisition and ways to continue replenishing that list with high quality emails became, a, I think, a big focus. But then now also the other side of that as well isn't just or have a revolving door of your list. How can you how can you have a better email experience and ensure that less people are unsubscribing by not sending them as many you know generic or uh, irrelevant emails? So, overall, would you consider marketers a little bit more cautious around it or being more smart, like intelligent email design? Yes, I think so. I mean, uh, there's been a there triggered email and, and email automation has become uh, it's. If you look at B2B and almost lead gen marketers, like they're, I think, far far ahead of uh, uh, retail email marketers in terms of sophistication and like you know the types of email automation they have set up. Um, re E-commerce retailers have only really recently come around to the power of emails that are based on user behavior and, and triggers. Um, because what you're seeing, and kind of going back to that billboard analogy, um, you're getting something like less than 10%, uh, sorry, less than 10 cents per, uh, in revenue per send on each batch and blast email that they were sending. Before uh, these email triggers, you're getting often you know, close to a dollar in revenue per send. That's at least what our data has shown. And that's coming from you know, just increased relevance, getting like, incredibly higher open rates, incredibly higher click rates. It's, and because it's based on what someone's done, it's much more relevant to them than just, hey, here's a generic new arrival. Um, and those see much lower uh, unsubscribe rates as well. And so it's become, it, the, the data supports and improves it, and I think marketers have become more cognizant of that, of, hey, how can I um, you know, set up more, more around email automation and make sure that it, we're boosting this relevance so that, um, you know, that we're not ripping through our email list as, as quickly as we were. And that has become, a, I think, a much higher priority for e-commerce retailers in the past couple of years. Um, do you find then the B2B audience perhaps is a little bit more, um, they want to educate and that it can be a, more, a longer, more personalized conversation? Or is that something that there's value in, in the consumer space? Um, for sure, it's, it's to, you know, um, to their credit, that, and for that being like kind of the, the B2C, you know, e-commerce, uh, consumer marketer space, like to their credit, it's, it's more challenging for e-commerce because the the purchase path and you know the the conversion journey, if you will, is a lot less linear and has a lot of other um, uh, kind of ebbs and flows in that consideration process than 
you know, maybe like a, you know, a higher consideration B2B purchase does where, you know, you can, you can map out the funnel very, you know, very clearly and, or have a lot more definition where there's, um, you know, you have someone who comes in and reads like, comes in through SEO because they're researching about the problem your product solves. And then you get their email because they download a guide that helps them with that problem. And then through them downloading that guide, you market to them and then get them to come and see what your service is. And then they show interest and they request a demo and they talk to a sales rep. So it's like you're trying to get them to take these very defined steps, whereas with, you know, they buying sneakers or something, there aren't all those steps. Exactly. Like what, how someone, when someone transitions from, you know, discovery to consideration to interest to desire is like, it's, it's a lot more ambiguous it's about how, like, you know, what, what channel did they come from? How are they interacting with the products? Are they reading reviews? You know, are they looking at image thumbnails? And then things that you can't see in your own environment, are they comparison shopping? Are they looking at reviews on, you know, other websites? And it, it becomes, a, it, it's much more challenging to map that out. Um, so it's, it's the B2B side, they, I think, have a lot more sophistication in what they're doing, but they also have, I think, a, a couple more things in their favor. Um, Chris, we were talking about email kind of and being like an anchor in uh, in, in like a, a, a brand's toolkit. Mm -hmm. uh, what you're describing is a little bit, I think, um, more of an omni-channel experience, like where like email fits with these other data points and these other behaviors, it mm -hmm. sounds like. Yeah, I think um, you're starting to see the value of an email address is ex has extended beyond just the emails that you can send with it. Um, email has really become the universal identifier for uh, for people online. You know, you use your email to log into everything, um, and it's something that. I, how long have you had your current personal email address? Yeah, over a decade. Yeah, I've had I'm forever now, and I don't <laughs> see myself changing anytime soon. So it's a really consistent and, and reliable way to to recognize shoppers, and if you can use that email address as you know, the ID that links all of these different systems and data points you have for customers and use that to recognize your customer across touch points. And even like, you know, in offline omnichannel touch points, if you have a pop-up and there's some kind of thing, you know, that uh, in-store installation that someone can engage with and they enter their email there, yeah, now email. that's a touch point and now you know that and you can work that into the broader customer view that you have, right? So people are seeing email as really valuable for, you know, this tool and identification across these touch points to provide that you know, everyone talks about an omni-channel experience. Unfortunately, today, I think we're still in a world where, you know, most most marketers, most brands, most retailers are offering just a multi-channel experience. They have customer, they can, they have all these different channels they can use to communicate and market to customers, um, and many that they're all opted into independently, but they still work independently. And I think it's important to, to really recognize this visitor across those different touch points, across these different devices, to make sure that all of this personalization uh, uh, technology and capabilities that they've invested in can really be activated at scale. If you can't associate an individual back to that wealth of data that you have, well, that's that data is what all these tools are relying on to provide that personalized experience. Without without that connection, um, you're still going to be providing you know mostly a generic experience. If you lose that connection, they could still be going to one of your stores, and then you you're not aware. You can't maximize that opportunity. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, you know, I think uh, one big thing, you know, even as simple as collecting an email at a point of sale in store, you know, as part of sending a receipt, you can start making these connections 
you can feed that back into the online experience. And I think um, a lot of cool things that some marketers are doing is using that to fuel, like get information from the online experience back into the, the real world experience. So like, say you were looking at something online, you added something to cart, now you never checked out, but now you're in store and you're checking out with a store associate there. They can connect the dots there and be like, "Hey, actually, you know, notice that on your account online, you had this item in cart. We actually have that in store. Do you want to see it? You know, that's a better experience for that customer." So that's the kind of personalization too that's actually in the email. Yes, exactly, for sure. I mean, that's you know, and I think especially with talking about some of these initial triggers that um, uh, marketers are, are starting to to invest in, um, you know, abandonment triggers are a huge one. Uh, mm -hmm. Cart abandonment triggers just like that, but also then moving up funnel, like product abandonment, if you didn't add products to cart, well, like, you know, uh, make sure the customer can get back to products they were the most interested in, that they were just browsing if they weren't, you know, that interested in buying at that moment, or if they were interested in specific categories or browsing categories, but not in specific product. Um, so yeah, I mean, abandonment's a great way to start with more of these relevant mm -hmm. behavior-based triggers, um, for sure. So, I mean, it, it continues the conversation. It makes email more dynamic, almost like, um, like the app homepage or uh, wherever a user is familiar with meeting that contact with that retailer, whether yeah. it's on the site. Now, mm -hmm. in the email, it's, it's like that, instead of just like a snapshot or a one-way communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, the, the app's a great example because very often um, in app, you're either logged in and they can maintain that login, or an app, since it's downloaded onto the device, it, you know, without getting too technical, um, it's easier for, for apps to maintain that recognition of someone because apps have more insight into, oh, this is the same device that I've always been installed on, right? Um, online, it's a little bit more challenging, but if you can get that you know, if you can, if we're going back to the idea of using email as that identifier, and you can maintain that email connection, um, you can start providing this more app-like experience based in, by using that anchor. But um, it's all about being able to maintain that, and that's been the challenging thing for a lot of retailers. Something that just occurred to me, like email is one thing that you are doing desktop and app, whereas there are probably a lot of mobile apps, <clears throat> excuse me, and behaviors that you're not doing on the desktop. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a that's a good point. Um, an important thing to call out is just in in the world of e-commerce, apps have started becoming less and less common. Um, right. Uh, at, at least the usage by by shoppers, just as mobile experiences have gotten better. Mm -hmm. You know, like mobile sites, M dot sites used to just be absolute garbage and impossible to use. Um, you know, it, there's a lot of tools like. Um, um, Mobify is a really cool uh, uh, vendor out there that offers um, progressive web apps, PWAs they call okay. them, which basically provide a app-like experience but on mobile web. Mm -hmm. um, it's just as fast, it's, it's, uh, it's just as easy to use. Um, it looks like you're using an app, a mobile app. So it's, you know, I think as this mobile experience has gotten better, just the need to install an app, it's a high ask for a customer and, just customers and, and shoppers just haven't really been doing it. Um, so I think you're going to see that less and less common. So, you know, it's there's great utility within the app, and I think that's why there was so much like uh, so much emphasis for a while in terms of getting customers and for publishers too downloading the app because they see what high engagement they have when visitors use the app. But it's you know you're you're now able to provide a closer experience online, and that can provide a lot more scale than just with you know the than just the people who installed the app. It sounds like it still comes back to intent, 
for a certain, uh, it's already uh, clear if you, you know, someone takes that time to download the app that they are, that they have more intent um, versus like an email where they could just op open up the email. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, it's important, like it's, you know, you want to balance this it's, it's a delicate balance between like quality and scale. You want to take this small segment of your highest quality customers, your best customers, and you want to find more of them. And you want to get more of them to your website and try and find, you know, rather than someone who's just going to be like kind of a one and done, they came in for, um, because you had a flash sale and they bought something and that's the only reason they bought from your website. And so it's, you know, it's how do you have a higher volume of really high quality customers? Um, and also, how do you have a higher volume of higher quality experiences? And as we kind of talked about, you know, the challenges on, with identification on mobile, and that's, that's really what holds back the scale of a lot of this personalization, a lot of this automation, everything that's set up. Um, because the data is there. There's a lot of these, these marketers have a wealth of data at this point. There was a huge land grab for data for a while the last few years. Um, and now the question is, well, how, how do you activate it? How do you get these, um, how do you bring a personalized experience, a logged in experience to more people? Um, that's, that's been the challenge, but it's become an increasing focus because it's, it's now trying to solve that scale issue. How do you have um, you know, higher performance, higher engagement, but instead of having it for a very small segment of your audience and bring that to a much larger segment of your audience. So, so scale out the, the high performing customers exactly it's a difficult question to ask for sure yeah and I mean I think uh, that's why you know that's why Facebook has had a lot of success as an ad channel a lot of it's been driven by um, you know their look-like audiences you can feed them those best customers that you have um, so you know, is this almost like a look-like customer within a larger group of actual customers um, well I mean it, I think it's like for you think of it in two ways like I've always thought of lookalikes as like competitors. So if you're thinking of it in, in terms of acquisition, um, and when I think when I say acquisition, I mean like prospecting, trying to find net new a net new audience, net new customers, and get them familiar with your brand or to your website for the first time. Like lookalikes is you know it's get if if I like this segment of of people like in my database, my customers, whatever it is. Um, how can I find more of them? How, who are people who I've never interacted with before who look like these? Um, but then when you're talking about lookalikes, I think in terms of conversion, uh, meaning so someone's on your website, someone's interacting with your brand, I think that's more like um, someone, if you know that this person was interested in, in this product because they added it to cart, well, what are, um, what, for, if you can find other people who look like them, meaning like other people who added that same item to cart, what did those people also add, add to cart? And if those people added you know, item B to cart as well, well, this person who added item A may also like item B. And now you can start making kind of smarter recommendations out of lookalikes from your own audience. Or you know, if um, not just like the people who added the product item A, but like the people who um, uh, you know, um, bought item A or bought, uh, bought item B, um, you know, what would they buy like after that or later than that? You can start, you can start making lookalikes in, within your own environment as well. Um, and that's, I think, when you start making kind of like smarter recommendations or smarter, smarter actions. And then you can scale that beyond just product recommendations, but, and this is when like AI gets into the mix with right. all of this, um, around like cadence and timing and channel. You know, if you have someone opted into email and SMS and web push, you know, 
it, when we think, when I mentioned the multi-channel world in the past, a lot of people will just send this, you know, they'll activate them on all three of those channels, maybe at the same time. But based on who they are, what is the right channel to message them and when? You know, we right now just kind of send on a set timing and set cadence. Um, uh, you know, but in reality, people interact with email in different ways. So, um, you know, that all of that is going to rely on like understanding a customer consistently and being able to relate them to other customers that you also have that show similar patterns and behaviors. I mean, it sounds like if marketers are still resistant to get to the full omni-channel experience, it sounds like we've kind of gotten there in our conversation. To yeah, yeah, exactly. Just if you can take, uh, if you can reverse engineer everything we just said, then. <laughs> Uh, you'll be in really good shape. All right, yeah. So everyone listen and sign up on our email list. <laughs> and you can find more content on dmnews.com. Uh, Chris, it was great uh, talking. Uh, thanks a lot for, for joining our podcast. Yeah, no, for sure. Anytime. And, um, you know, if uh, anyone, you know, wants to reach out or has any questions, definitely uh, you can reach out to me directly. It's uh, kris at bouncex.com. Um, you know, happy to carry on the conversation. And, uh, you know, you can learn more about us and, and the work that we do on um, on bouncex.com as well. Okay, sounds great, Chris. Cool. Thanks for having me over, and thanks, thanks to our listeners for listening. For sure, anytime.